0: Hi, welcome to episode four of Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'm your host, John Eskelson, and I've been joined by my daughter, Ilsa, who's going to fill in some of the details that I miss.
1: Um, can I just to say, I'm doing history homework right now, so would you like me to chime in with random historical facts, or would you like me to keep that part quiet? Uh,
0: whatever you feel is appropriate. Okay. We are sponsored today by the Committee to Restore America's National Parks. This is an advocacy group for everyday people who want to convince Congress to eliminate the $12 billion maintenance backlog in our national parks. Please go to their website and support them at www.restoreamericasnationalparks.org. So there's lots of things happening in the Washington DC area this week that has uh, kept us active. You have impeachment, uh, you have Harry and Meghan, leaving the British monarchy or whatever it is that they're doing that's throwing everyone into exhausted fits of exasperation. But uh, the thing I found most interesting this week was that Major League Baseball completed its report about the Astros' cheating scandals from 2017 and 2018. And the Astros, as a result, fired their general manager, Jeff Lunau, and their manager, A.J. Hinch, Followed by the Boston Red Sox firing their uh, manager Alex Cora, who used to work as the bench manager for the Astros, and then the Mets fired their new manager Carlos Beltran, who was a player in 2017 in the midst of the cheating scandal. Major League Baseball is still looking at the Red Sox and perhaps other teams too as to what whether they're cheating. But the reason I bring this up is not because you came onto this podcast to listen to me talk about the uh, Major League Baseball scandal, but there's a video that compares what happened uh, in the cheating scandal in baseball um, to the movie Mean Girls, and it is the most funny thing I think I've seen in years. Thanks for uh, indulging me on that. I know you didn't come here to listen to my musings about baseball. So I wanted to start out by laying out some of the different skills we'll be talking about in the upcoming episodes. And then I thought we'd talk about uh, the critters that we're most likely to encounter on the trail, especially once we get to the Shenandoah National Park. When when someone says the word skills in the backpacking world, it turns out that a lot of people have a lot of different things on their minds um, than what one might think if they are, you know talking about backpacking skills in the Boy Scouts of America or Girl Scouts context. A lot of times people who who discuss the skills quote-unquote are thinking in terms of gear and to a certain extent that makes sense oftentimes the gear one brings helps augment the skills that one needs down the line but gear is the tool while skills at least the way I think about it is the know-how in your head that allows you to utilize the gear effectively. So here are some of the topics that we're going to focus on in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to talk about wilderness-focused first aid, some common issues in the backcountry, and the goals for what you're going to treat, and then what to, what you can use to carry based on what you think you might need. Um, talk about personal hygiene, how to stay clean, and uh, and how to, you know. Do what you got to do in the woods in an effective way. Um, Specifically, we're going to talk a little bit more about foot care and the issues related to foot care. Um, If you can't walk, you can't hike. And if you can't hike, you're stuck. And I really don't want to force my wife to come out and find me somewhere in the middle of nowhere um, to drag my lame, lame butt home.
1: Wow. You just roasted yourself. How so? You've now said on record that your butt is lame.
0: <laughs> this is the words of wisdom. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about different forms of navigation, um, anything, everything from digital to paper and different ways to uh, navigate on the trail. Um, talk about meal planning, identifying how much food to carry and different options for cooking, um, food storage, and how to keep it away from critters, both large and small. We'll talk about fire. Do you need fire? Should you have fire? Are there areas you, that think, permit fire?
1: I think as a species, we do need fire. It's one of our distinguishing traits is our ability to make fire.
0: Yeah, but I, I like fires a lot, but most of the times on most trails, you can't make fires the, anymore. Really? Yeah. They don't want things to burn down.
1: I mean, I wonder what uh, the what the people of the Neolithic Revolution would say about that. Probably nothing recognizable to modern English speakers, eh? Eh? I'm so sorry. Okay.
0: Well, next we'll move on to water, how, where to get it, how to treat it. Um, and then we'll talk about what I call the 10 essentials. And then I think that's where we're going to focus for the time being. There'll be probably some other things. After that, we're going to get into gear choices to implement the skills that we're focused on. And then, um, you know, some different places to get gear. Today, though, we're going to focus on different critters in the environment, both large and small, basically those things that uh, whether they're animals or vegetation can make a trip miserable for for me or for you, with an emphasis on those commonly found between Harpers Ferry, West Virginia and Waynesboro, Virginia.
1: So, I feel like one thing I would like to get clear, Dad, is are we talking critters in the, like, Dollywood sense? Which, if you don't know what Dollywood is, clearly something's wrong with your life. Google it. Um, or are we talking critters in the, like, tiny monsters who eat your flesh sense?
0: Um, in a, I think we're talking about the tiny critters. Well, we're talking about anything that can really, you know, cause you problems on the trail. So. So,
1: like, if you break your foot, that's a critter? No. That's something that can cause you problems on the
0: trail. Yeah, but that's like first aid related. That's yeah, but
1: injury. you said anything that can cause you problems on the trail. So Rub a lo- foot. So you problems. what
0: we're going to talk about mostly in this next next little bit are things like ticks, mosquitoes, and those are like the two tiny critters that are most likely to cause you problems on the trail, particularly in this area. And then the second, then the, then we're going to go into a couple of vegetative things that are going to co- that can cause you problems, like poison ivy.
1: Oh, so like flora and fauna that wants to eat you. Yes. Mean flora and mean fauna.
0: Yes. Mean flora and fauna. And these, these are particularly interesting to me because after all this podcast is a research project for me as I do my hikes. These are things that really actually very much like to eat me. So let's talk about my number one nemesis in the woods ticks
1: Wait, sorry. I'm sorry. That was a trick question because your number one nemesis is yourself. Wise words. Listen, listen up, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Um, no. No, they're ticks. <laughs> My number one nemesis mean. in the woods are ticks. <laughs> ticks are little insects. Some are literally the size of a pin. And what these creatures are is they they, they like to li- sit on leaves, and kind of put their arms out and wait for any mammal to pass by before they attach to you
1: like a small child.
0: Yes, like a very. That's very- exactly
1: what a small child does. They wait for, for mammals to pass by and then they attach.
0: Right, and then they then they crawl towards a warm and soft spot and bite. Yes. Sticking yes, their heads in, sucking their blood, and spitting their spit into your blood system.
1: I uh, still don't understand how we don't how we can tell the difference between a tick and like a three year old human child.
0: Ticks are much smaller.
1: Fair. Um, oh wait, I had something funny to say, but I forgot, and it probably wasn't even funny in the first place.
0: Well, thanks for trying. <laughs> so ticks are bad because.
1: Oh oh wait I. No mind. It's fine. it's fine. It's fine.
0: Ticks are bad because uh, they're. Because as parasites, um, they can give us Lyme's disease, and Lyme's disease that has a lot of really negative characteristics characteristics characteristics.
1: Characteristics.
0: Yes, like uh, they'll, you know, like a lot of things, they'll give you fever, headache, fatigue, Um, and the way you discover whether you have a tick bite that's giving you some of these uh, some of these uh, negative uh, symptoms of Lyme's disease is that there's a skin rash called an migrants. It's basically a bullseye rash that will either will spread out in circles around the bite itself. Were if, you,
1: sorry, were you just like showing like a visual of that? Like were you just demonstrating that through your audio podcast?
0: Yes. Okay. If left untreated, um, like you can get infections or swelling, so particularly in the joints like the knee area, they'll it'll swell up. And uh, it can spread to uh, the heart and also to the nervous system. Um and can be really can be really dangerous to your health. So the way to handle ticks if you get a tick bite is is uh, pretty straightforward. And I've seen various ways advocated, mostly involving normal tweezers or even duct tape used like a tweezer where you grab the tick and pull it straight out. Um, I've included a link in the show notes to a type of tweezer that we use in my family. It's L-shaped and works sort of the same way as a claw hammer does, removing nails. Uh, you slip the claw part of the tweezer between the tick and your skin and then slowly rotate, generally, gently pulling the entire tick out as you twist, up, twist it off your body. It's a way of twisting its mouth off of your skin.
1: Are you sure that this is a family-friendly podcast?
0: Yes. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I've had a lot of experience getting rid of ticks. It is uh, something that I've actually gotten good at. Um, I was looking when we were camping, Elsa, last spring. I was uh, walking into the woods to take care of some business and I came across what must have been an entire, I don't know, what do you call a group of ticks.
1: civilization.
0: A civilization of ticks. And I just I ended up discovering seven of them on my body when I got home that day. I'd already taken off two or three in the woods. and I kind of freaked out, even to the point where I got a very, very short haircut. Uh, that very day. And for days afterwards, I was worried that I still had ticks on my body every time I had a little itch or a pinch of any kind.
1: It's such a good
0: so here's how I have learned to get rid of ticks and take precautions and have been successful in subsequent hikes. First, I've learned to spray the clothing I wear with permethrin. I don't know all the forms it takes, but what I, the form I've seen it most often is in a big yellow bottle that can be found at a variety of different locations like at Walmart, REI, Amazon, basically anywhere that sells outdoor stuff. Nobody likes ticks. Second, when I'm on the trail or outside, I do a daily tick check. Every night I look over myself and check for ticks and then other bug bites or injuries. And then we'll discuss this more in the third episode on personal hygiene. And then third, I wear clothing uh, like lighter colored clothing where I can see the ticks if they if they're on my shirt or on my pants, so I can get I can uh, get rid of them. They're little and black, and wearing clothes that contrast with them are really is is really useful. Fourth. I try to walk in the middle of the trail as much as possible. I try not to get close to the sides, especially since they seem to like me so much. And especially as these guys are literally hanging out in vegetation with their arms outstretched waiting for us to walk by. So gross. Finally, while they're around uh, during the warmer months, they are the worst in April of May. So going into Shenandoah National Park is... Is... uh, I'll be going into the Shenandoah National Park during the worst tick time of the year. Let's go on to the next bug that is just terrible. (laughs) That really, that really kind of hate. Mosquitoes are drawn to some people and they aren't drawn to others. Um, Most importantly for me, I know that they are coming for me. I think I am in some sort of top 10 list that their little mosquito FBI has saying, if you see this guy, bite him as much as possible. When I was 12 and on my first 50 miler up in the North Cascades, there were some mosquitoes that got into our tent on our second night. And while my friend who was staying in our tent with us and my dad um, didn't wake up with any bites on them at all. It was really ridiculous. But I was bit so many times in the night around the eyes that they were nearly swollen shut that morning. I mean, this is just an exa- one example of how much disdain these bugs have for me and I, and Russ, uh, I also have for them. Um, at worst, these bugs can bring the Zika virus or dengue in more tropical environments, although it's, those threats seem fairly low here in northern Virginia. Um, but they... Their bites can be really annoying, just the same. The bites are itch; they make they, they can make you swell, give you hives, make you feel miserable, especially as you get a bunch. Um, last summer with our scouts, they had you know some of them chose to wear basically short running shorts and at one point no t shirts, and they were just constantly being eaten alive by these bugs. It was just crazy. Um, the way that. I've learned to deal with this in the past, is to bring a bug spray that has a very high DEET content. And that does a great job of keeping the bugs away. So when you spray your clothes with permethrin, and then also use DEET, it's a good way of keeping the bugs away. And, and at the on the trip we took last summer up into the um, Adirondack Mountains, you know, using both that combination I was able to keep both ticks off me the entire time, and I really didn't have that many bug bites. Uh, For those who don't like using chemicals like DEET, the only other way I've seen that effectively keeps mosquitoes at bay is using mosquito net over your head. I'm sure they're less expensive elsewhere, but uh, I've seen um, nets at REI for $15. Now before we go into larger critters in the woods, I wanted to talk a few minutes about poisonous plants. Specifically, I have concerns around poison ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac. Each plant has a chemical in them called, uh, I think, I believe it's pronounced uh, urushiol, that can spread on people and gear once it's exposed to um, their poison. Uh, and that causes an allergic reaction in some people. Some people are blessed and don't have any reactions. I am not one of them. When we lived in Silver Spring, Maryland, we had an area we called the jungle, which was really just a bunch of overgrown weeds and ivy and things like that. And I went to go tackle the jungle one day and got it all cleaned out, but also ended up with in the doctor's office for a steroid shot because um, I got so much um, poison ivy on my skin that I that I really started to start having like these weeping allergic reactions to the poison ivy. Um, that was growing inside the the jungle it was really bad and so i stay away from it as much as possible Um, there's a couple different ways in which you can identify one of these three poison plants the first and perhaps simplest rule is to follow the maxim if you find leaves of three leave them be Um, the other way to think about it is to stay away from leaves that may be shiny or hairy or any plant with red stems twigs or branches or red hairy vines um, other plants to avoid Im- include those with a milky sap, an umbrella-like flower, or a pungent smell. One of the key ways I try to uh, minimize interaction with the flora and fauna that want to eat me um, is that I just wear long pants and long shirts when I'm hiking and backpacking. Um, it's a re- And it's like I mentioned, it's... I treat it with permethrin. I wear DEET, and um, given my propensity to get uh, afflicted by poison ivy and the allure that ticks have for me, I just just wear long sleeves and long shirts as much as necessary. Um, it's it's easy, it's quick, it's not complicated, and um, you know sometimes it gets a little bit warm. But most of the time, you know, when I'm I'm wearing a synthetic shirt that's really light and uh, a pair of good hiking, lightweight hiking pants, um, everything is fine. There's three other types of uh, fauna, I guess, critters who I want to bring up. Uh, The first are snakes. And, uh, apparently in Shenandoah national park, there are rattlesnakes as well as copperheads and a few other types of snakes. Um, they're most often not seen and, um, what they do like to do. In, uh, the, on sunny days is go out and lay on the rocks and then they hunt at night. Um, so it's unlikely that someone's going to see them. However, knowing that there are poisonous snakes. And uh, in the area is something to keep one's mind on. Um, I've been looking at the Falcon Guide uh, about Shenandoah National Parks, and uh, one of the things they they say is uh, is that you know someone should become familiar with first aid treatment for bites. Um, there's commercial snake venom extractors that are great if used within the first three minutes, um, and then victims should walk closely to the trailhead, seeking immediate attention. Um, the other th- it's interesting to me that no one has ever seen, um, no, no one really has seen a copperhead on the trail in preparation for that book. Um, someone saw one rattlesnake up in Delaware gap. Um, but you know, so I guess they're there, be mindful of that. It's just that people don't typically see them. The next, the next critter. Um, are what are unaffectionately referred to as mini bears by Andrew Skurka um, and by uh, Ryan Grayson, who uh, provide this blog posting that I've been kind of using as a cheat sheet. Um, he calls shelter rodents. Um, you know these are the mice, the raccoons, and the little the little creatures out there that can do a lot of damage to your gear and to your food if you don't put it out right. This is mostly uh, focused on those things that are um, willing to eat your food if you do not keep it out of way. Um, Use a bear pole or some other mechanism for protecting your food. Um, They, I mean, I know I've I've had certain circumstances in pe- previous years where you accidentally leave a Snickers bar in your side pocket and then the morning you wake up and that side pocket has been chewed through and the Snickers, po- Snickers bar is gone. And This is one of those things where, you know, your food can disappear. These creatures are hungry and this is an easy way to get something to eat. The final thing, or critter, I want to talk about are bears. The only type of bear one we'll see on the Appalachian Trail, particularly in northern Virginia, and in particular the Shenandoah National Park, are black bears. Um, they are normally skittish. They normally stay away from uh, humans. And if they hear you coming, they normally run away. But they might act offensively, or if they're over- overly friendly with humans and human experiences they may come and try to you know check you out mostly because they're going to smell your food um, there are a lot of black bears in Shenandoah National Park and they have you know, the recommendation it's not required to use uh, uh, bear canisters in the park but they do recommend it um, we'll be talking about bear canisters or other ways to prevent uh, bears from getting at your food and the mini bears from getting at your food um, later on Uh, but you know one of the things the the key thing is is you know most human interactions with black bears involve involve food what should you do if you come across a black bear while hiking um, don't run they're generally intimidated by noise in an upright stance, so clap and shout and let the bear know that you're there. If the noise doesn't scare him, uh, quietly back away from the potential encounter. Um, Shenandoah says that, uh, they say that falling trees have a gra- are a greater risk than getting in, involved with bears. Um, and they have a whole webpage uh, which, are, which is in the show notes. Um, about how to deal with bears and keep f- basically that the key is is most bear encounters are involved when they identify humans with food and sometimes um, if a bear becomes too friendly the park rangers will seek to uh, uh, shoot them with clear paintballs or some other thing to say hey you need to stay away from humans humans will will get you and there have even been occasions where bears who have been too friendly have been euthanized um, because of the danger they risk to humans utilizing the park. Um, so I, I guess uh, the, the, key, the key thing is to not necessarily be afraid, be prepared, um, make lots of noise Uh, Be careful the bear if a bear comes up on his hind legs particularly a black bear It doesn't mean they're ready to attack you It means that they're more or less curious as to who you are and what's going on if They're not another thing uh, to remember is if they are not if they are not um, Going away and you have bear spray feel free to use that bear spray there's uh, small canisters that you can buy at a variety of locations um i would just caution anyone seeking to use bear spray uh particularly against a black bear that it is important to practice and learn how to use the bear spray so that one is not used discharging it for the very first time um there are instances when if you're if you're if the wind is blowing against you and you blow bear spray towards a bear um the wind might push it back onto you, dis- disabling you, and freaking out the bear in a way that has them come attack you. So I don't think bears are a huge problem in the park. They are there. If one takes necessary precautions, they shouldn't be a challenge in dealing with the bears. Um, but done poorly, it can lead to big problems. Again, I would recommend checking out and uh, looking at the Shenandoah National Park Bear page. It's very—I found it very informative and helpful to me as I hope to trump through it in the near future. So that's all we got for today's episode. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and we really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other uh, podcasting app that you listen to. Uh, we look forward to hearing seeing you back next week i guess we don't see each other Uh, when we talk more about section hiking the appalachian trail goodbye